0: This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Hills. At Hills, their decades of science and research guide the company in creating nutrition that's a step ahead, so pets and pet parents can enjoy every day together. As the U.S.'s number one veterinarian-recommended pet food brand, knowledge is Hills' first ingredient, with more than 220 veterinarians, Ph.D. nutritionists, and food scientists working to develop breakthrough innovations in pet health. Hills Prescription Diet, Therapeutic Nutrition, plus the company's everyday foods, Hills Science Diet, Hills Healthy Advantage, and Hills Bioactive Recipe – are sold at vet clinics and pet specialty retailers worldwide for more information about hills their products or their forward-thinking approach to nutrition visit them at hillspet.com or hillsvet.com or connect with them on facebook twitter youtube and instagram we're talking spay and neuter surgery and its benefits today on pet resource radio
1: From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe.
0: And I'm Dave Shapiro. And yes, indeed, welcome to the program. We're coming to you from the room we call the Fishbowl here at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks in need.
1: Yes, indeed. What's been up with you, Dave?
0: Um, You know, it's been a week. It really has. It really has been a week. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Um, We've had software problems all week. (laughs) Um, And that's just gotten fixed. So it's been chaos here. Everybody's been working really extra hard um, to make sure that we still get to see as many pets as we as as possible.
1: Yeah. And if you've been here within the past couple of days, thank you for your patience. Mm -hmm. And because we've had to switch some things around. So we really appreciate we really appreciate you all.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's head over and do some pet news.
1: Let's do it. First up, we have a great reunion story. Near the end of his 33-year career in the U.S. Army, David Bartlett was diagnosed with epilepsy. And because German short-haired pointers can be trained as seizure alert dogs, he ended up with a new companion named Gunter. Gunter isn't just a service dog, however, he's David's best friend. He told Cleveland TV station, quote, I don't know if I've ever been closer with another animal in my life. Then on the 4th of July, Gunter was frightened by fireworks while out in the yard on a leash and overpowered David's wife, knocking her down and taking off into the night. Two days later, after searching and putting up posters and doing everything they could, a young boy heard whimpering in a nearby wooded area. Checking it out with his parents, they discovered Gunter with his leash tangled in a small tree, meaning he'd most likely been without food and water for two days. David and Gunter were reunited after two days apart, and they couldn't be happier to be together again. As for the boy who found Gunter, everybody's incredibly thankful for him and his compassion and concern. If it weren't for him, Gunter might have never been found. Yeah. Yes. And this story, when we were looking for pet news, really stuck out to me, not only because it's another reunion story, but because this young boy is the one who found him.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so I really have a feeling that he's going to end up working with animals. Could be.
0: Could absolutely (laughs) be. That's how, you know, so many of us start out, I think.
1: Yeah. And he's so smart. Like, just to put two and two together, you hear. Something whimpering out in the woods. Yeah. And, like, no fear.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just went out. Like, well, with his parents, his parents, went out there. Safely.
1: Yeah, so that's what really surprised me about this one, but I love it. Yeah, And it turns out to be a service dog, yep. and it's just pretty awesome.
0: Um, And, you know, reminder again, uh, fireworks aren't great for pets. Yes,
1: my dog absolutely hates it like this is literally my worst nightmare
0: right next up the scene mie prefecture in the kansai region of Honshu, japan police officers are mystified by a six meter tall traffic light pole discovered collapsed on some bushes in a nearby parking lot it was designed to last 50 years with no problem and yet here it was collapsed after just 23 nobody was injured when the pole fell and it had been properly installed It wasn't until the police's forensic science lab conducted tests on it that it became clear. They discovered approximately 40 times the concentration of urea around the bottom of the post compared with the other sets of traffic lights installed at the same time. Urea is a byproduct of digesting proteins and is an important part of a dog's healthy kidney functions. That's right. The pole was in an area frequented by dog walkers, and tests indicate that the urea and salt content in dog urine applied at a higher frequency than other places caused the metal around the base to erode.
1: Am I surprised? (laughs) Not really. We talked about this a little bit before. Yeah, yeah. And... I mean, at first I was like, oh, of course, male dogs always peeing on poles. Right. But my female actually will, um, like, mark the territory when we're out on a walk. She may not necessarily be able to hike her leg. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably some females do. But, yeah, this is just – it's also kind of funny. Yeah, definitely. Like, glad nobody got hurt when it collapsed. But to find out that it was because of dogs peeing on poles, that's pretty great.
0: Yeah, I wonder if there are – I the one they put in to, as a replacement has like a special base on it now, um, so that it <laughs> Thanks, will last dogs. longer. Yeah, exactly. And then they have signs up that like encouraging people to like wash it down after they after their dog pees <laughs> on it.
1: Who's going to do that?
0: I don't know, nobody's going to do that.
1: I mean, I would do it if I were to get in trouble, like jaywalking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but imagine if cats, like how strong their urine is, mm-hmm. like how much quicker that pole would have collapsed
0: yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> so interesting uh, yeah sure. it's definitely interesting why don't we go talk to dr andelson about spay and neuter surgery
1: i'm excited about this one me too not too long ago we were known as spay and neuter kansas city While that may no longer be in our name, it is still a large part of what we do here at Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We talked to one of our veterinarians, Dr. Marta Andelson, about how spay and neuter keeps pets and people together. Welcome to Pet Resource Radio, Dr. Andelson. It's great to be back. Thanks. And We have lots of good things to talk about on this episode of the podcast. So let's go ahead and talk about the health aspect of spay and neuter, what positive health benefits does it have for males and also for females?
2: That's a really good question and an important one to remember when you're considering getting your animal spayed or neutered. um, Health benefits often come with the long-term effects of having testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone in the body. So for males, testosterone, the longer it's there, it predisposes them to testicular cancer, also a lot of prostate diseases, and we just don't see those When they don't have testicles, um, especially if they get neutered early. It's still possible to have prostate diseases in dogs that have been neutered later in life because they've had a lot of exposure to testosterone in their body. Um, Similarly, for females, we worry about mammary cancer. Cats, I can't remember specifically the percentage, but I think the percentage of cats that have mammary cancer um, if they've been spayed before their first heat cycle is less than 2%. Wow. Um, and that percentage decreases or increases dramatically um, even if they've had one heat cycle. So if you wait and your cat has one heat cycle and then you get her spayed, their chances of getting mammary cancer is something like 40%. Yeah, And and once they've had multiple heat cycles, multiple litters, they're very, very prone to getting mammary cancer. It's still a concern in dogs, not as much. Um, In dogs, we see a lot of pyometra, which is a big concern. I think we'll get a little more into detail about that. But we see it in cats too. Pyometra is an infection of the uterus. It is life-threatening and needs to be dealt with in an emergency situation. So not having to worry about that is a huge relief. It makes sure that the pets live a long healthy life. They won't at least get affected by some of these yeah. cancers that are almost guarantees if they're kept intact their whole life.
1: Yeah, and definitely whatever you can do to have as much time with your pet as possible. Um, I actually, growing up, we had a dog who had pyometra, and it's just not something that you want to see your pet Mm -mm. go through at all. It's just terrible. I just, like, get the chills talking about it right now. It's awful. It's really bad. um, What about the effects it has on the behaviors of the pets
2: Behavioral concerns we think of more with males. Um, aggression is linked to testosterone. It's not the only time a dog can be aggressive, but being intact can can lead to higher rates of aggression. Usually that's directed toward other dogs. And um, if the, the male's intact and around female dogs in heat, Then they go after them without warning. Nothing's going to stop them. Nothing will stop them. No gate, no fence. They can be escape artists. Sometimes that is why we lose pets. Cats, males do a lot of urine marking, Um, they're very territorial. They also will take off if you have an intact female, even if she's indoors, her pheromones are strong enough for outdoor male cats to smell. It's not uncommon for houses to be surrounded by, That's, you know, three or four you don't
1: think male
2: cats that are just yowling all night. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you want your pets to interact safely. You don't want it to be because they're in heat and they're animal instincts are just on overdrive. So being able to limit aggression and and keep the pets at home is a great benefit. But
1: bigger perspective, what effect does spay and neuter have on the community?
2: When we think about spaying and neutering, I think everyone's first thought is, oh, we don't want puppies and kittens. And and that's right. Population control is really important. We are we know that there are so many pets that need homes already in shelters that adding to the population just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of the dogs that are bred are the kind of dogs that are seen in shelters. And, and they're mutts. Yeah. Yeah. We, we love every kind of dog of and we want those that are already with us to have the best chance at a good life that they can get. So being able to control when we replenish populations is really, really important. We need to support the shelters as much as possible. They work so hard and it's very disheartening to keep getting all of these puppies and kittens in because not enough people are controlling how that process happens.
1: That's why a lot of shelter intervention programs like ourselves are Providing these affordable services so that pets can stay at home instead of be surrendered for, say, some of the behaviors that they have if they aren't spayed or neutered, because that has a that's a large percentage of why people surrender their mm-hmm. pets. Um, but let's talk quickly now about the procedure itself. I hate going back into <laughs> the surgery suite. You know that. But what exactly are you doing in a spay-neuter surgery?
2: Sure. Without getting into graphic detail, yes, which I'm prone to do. <laughs> um, the, the procedure is basically to remove the organs that are involved with releasing these hormones. They are the hormones that lead female animals to go into heat. They are the hormones that lead those male animals to run away after a female in heat. So we, it's a, a very... Um, quick usually procedure. We try to be as minimally invasive as possible, but all we do is remove the testicles in the males. We remove the ovary and uterus in the females so they can't get pregnant and the males can't get a female pregnant.
1: Is there a big difference in the surgeries like between cats and dogs? I would say
2: um, dog surgeries are more complicated just because it's a bigger animal. There um, are more precautions that we have to yeah. take, so it, it takes a little bit longer. I think the the most straightforward, easiest neuter to do is a cat neuter. So mm-hmm. you know, if you have an intact cat, it is very inexpensive to have done. You can save a lot of cats from getting pregnant. So certainly, don't be afraid of the process because. We do this all day, every day. We are very experienced with it. And um, I don't want people to be concerned that the risk is so high that it's not worth it.
1: Yeah. And so I just want to let our listeners know how big of rock stars you are. And, or you and the rest of our vets are. So how many surgeries are you capable of doing in a day? And do you have an interesting story or thought about what it's like to achieve this rock star set? <laughs> well, that's
2: very flattering. Thank you. We're not the only ones doing this. There are tons of other places yes. that do high volume surgery. But I would say that the most surgeries we've done in a day since I've been here um, has been about 70. I think we average about 50 surgeries a day. That's split between dog and cat, neuters and spays. Um, The individual surgeon may do anywhere between um, 15 to 25 surgeries themselves on an average day. And with that many surgeries come a lot of unexpected situations. I think that... I think that the most rewarding situations have been those where we caught a pyometra in time. Um, The owner had no idea that this dog had a huge infection in her uterus. We were doing a surgery on a probably 55, 60-pound pit bull mix. And she had a very large pyometra. We were able to catch it before anything got out of hand and save that dog's life without the owner even knowing that her life was in danger to begin with. That's crazy. So we don't want it to ever get to that point. You can avoid having that kind of scare if you neuter and spay them young enough. But we get to to help pets in that rewarding way and know, wow, had I not done this today or tomorrow, this dog could have easily died. So we get those surprises when we least expect them, and it's a definitely a rewarding part of
1: doing this many surgeries. Yeah, and isn't the uterus, when it, when a dog has pyometra, isn't it like double the size or They're something?
2: They're huge, yeah, yeah. Um, for for those who are curious, you can Google pictures. Not me. <laughs> it won't be Sierra, but for for any listeners who do want to know what the difference is, there are some great pictures of exactly how dramatic that changes, and you look at that and you know how in pain and uncomfortable oh gosh, that dog yes. or cat must have been because it's it's really really pushing everything else that's in there
1: and so why is it important to be super efficient or why is it important to be a high volume clinic why is it needed
2: yeah i mean the benefit a is that we can see a lot more pets get a lot more pets the surgeries that they need to stay in the homes they have um, the other really great thing about being in a high volume setting is that you do develop those fine tuned skills, that efficiency that help you make sure that the pet is not under anesthesia longer than they have to be, um, make sure that we have um, very gentle uh, handling of yeah. of what we're trying to do, and we're able to get surgery times to really, really low times and as averages go because we do so many. So yeah, you know, And
1: because of that we're able to charge less for yes. people who can't afford the mm-hmm. four hundred dollars at a general practice. Yeah. All of these are examples of ways you can advocate for spay and neuter when and, or if you come across someone who says they're against it, Dr. Anderson, what are some of the reasons or myths as to why people don't want to spay or neuter their pet or think that it's wrong.
2: Yeah, um, I'm sure that my list is not going to be exhaustive, but here are a few of the, the reasons that I have heard. Um, some people are afraid that their dog's personality is going to change completely, that they're going to become fat and lazy and they won't want to play at all, and so they're so concerned that they're going to have an entirely different animal
1: when yeah.
2: the animal's spayed or neutered that they don't do it. Um, we generally do not see that being the case.
1: If it anything that makes it better.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually we're helping correct marking behavior, territorial yeah. aggression, food aggression, any behavioral changes that we see are are typically positive changes. I have heard on occasion that people feel that the female needs to have one litter before she is spayed. There's no evidence behind this. Um, Really, the longer you wait, especially if she has litters, the higher risk the surgery is. So we do not recommend Mm -hmm. that any pet have a litter prior to being spayed because that ultimately makes it more dangerous for them to do so.
1: And she's more susceptible to get the cancers that you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm, For sure.
2: Um, Some people don't end up doing it at all because there's a little bit of confusion about a proper age to spare neuter a a pet. Um, There's certainly been some research recently that has shown that for the giant breed dogs, Mastiffs, Great Danes, if you spare neuter them too young, they can have some joint issues later in life. Hmm. Um, We certainly want to take care with that, but I don't think that waiting three years far past the time they're sexually mature, to get them spayed or neutered is safe. Yeah, and um, also
1: because they make a habit of those behaviors, mm-hmm. so it could be harder to correct them
2: Yeah, yeah. even after the neuter. Absolutely. So for cats, I think um, a really good target, if you're trying to wait, is five or six months. Cats typically start to go into heat between six and seven months, although this year we've had some that were five months that were already in heat.
1: I've you, seen a pregnant cat. Who yeah. Was like four months old.
2: It's it's, it's startling. Um, so yeah. there's no age too early for cats as long as they're over three pounds. Here um, for dogs, you know, certainly take into consideration the research about joint issues. If you spay large dogs, spay and neuter large dogs too early. I think that six months is a great age for most dogs. If it's a giant breed dog, you may want to wait until they're a little closer to a year. But as I said, the risk in surgery dramatically increases if we wait time for those large breed dogs. So you have to weigh the pros and cons and do your research in trusted resources. Dr. Google isn't necessarily (laughs) going to give you the, the correct information. So do your research and we're happy to talk about this. Um, And then finally, the most frustrating of reasons is that people want their children to experience the miracle of birth and watch the whole pregnancy process and birthing process um, in the family home. And really, I think it's more important to demonstrate responsible pet ownership and for the children to see, oh, my pet goes to the vet every year. The, The pet was spayed or neutered early. And, and and see that kind of pet ownership that's much more impactful um, there are so many ways that you can learn about the birthing process, reproduction in animals that don't involve an animal having to go through that so um, also please look into options other than hands-on approaches for this because it's it's a lot uh, it's a big price to pay for that pet to to show others what thing is
1: like yeah and then really all of the things that we talked about today strengthen the bond that people have with their pets the healthier your pet is the longer you have with them the better their behavior the less likely they are to be surrendered to a shelter and or the better the behavior honestly can go out and do more things which strengthens your bond and then it's just better for the community in general so Bay neuter, people. Yes. And if there are ever
2: questions or concerns, any vet you ask here will be happy to talk you through the individual case. Of course, things are on a case-by-case basis, but that is what we're here for. We have resource in our name for a reason, so please reach out if you have any questions about this.
1: Yeah. Our phone number is 816-353-0940. You can also send us a Facebook message if that's easier. We're always monitoring those. And then final question, Dr. Andelson, why choose this over the many other options veterinarians have for a career?
2: I, I looked at this job before I had accepted the position as a way to really reach as many people and pets as possible. I think you'll be able to tell me the numbers that we see better than I'll ever remember, but it's in the tens of
1: thousands. And this year we're on track to see 35,000, which is
2: just mind blowing. Seriously. And to know that a large proportion of those animals are animals that I personally have touched and interacted with. That's really meaningful. I've always wanted to have as big of an impact in my profession as possible. And so I think it's really special that we are accessible to a lot more people than We can be otherwise because of the donations we get, because of the resources we have. So I get to make sure that all of these pets stay with their people and and be the resource that the community needs.
1: That feels awesome, huh? Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, if you're more interested in our packages, please head over to our website, prckc.org. You can see all of the different pricing that we have for spays and neuters. Dr. Anderson, thank you again for being on the podcast today. Always I'm a pleasure. Really <laughs> appreciate it.
0: When I started working in animal welfare, one of the things I was most surprised about was the amount of misunderstanding and misinformation about what pet microchips are, how they work, and how they aren't a long con on part of the one-world conspiracy to track our movements by using our pets against us. That's one of the reasons we celebrate Check the Chip Day every year on August 15th. The other reason is that microchipping your pet is your best bet at being reunited with them in the event that they're lost or stolen. Why is that? Well, the first thing that any rescue or shelter should do when they have a stray on their hands is scan it for a chip. So let's chat about pet microchips for a second and what they do in case you need a little convincing. First, they're not a GPS device. They don't track your dog. So what do they do? Well, the chip is contained inside a little capsule the size of a grain of rice, and it's made from bioglass, which is a material used extensively in pet and human implants. This is injected between the shoulder blades. Many pet microchips have an anti-migration coating designed to bond with tissue so it doesn't migrate because we always want to know where it is, right? Right. So a clinic or shelter uses a microchip scanner, which shoots a radio frequency signal that the microchip picks up. Then the microchip shoots back a signal to the scanner with the microchip number and the name of the registry. So what's the registry? Well, this is a key component of the whole system. See, when your pet gets microchipped, you go online to a registry and put in your contact info so that if your pet gets lost or stolen, whoever scans them will be able to find you in the registry and get a hold of you. But what this means is that you have to keep your information up to date in the registry if you move or change your phone number or anything like that. Just like you contact the utilities when you move, you should make updating your microchip information part of your moving checklist. So this Check the Chip Day, make sure your pets are microchipped and your information up to date. It can make all the difference when it comes to being reunited with your pet, and there's no substitute for that.
1: And now we say goodbye to you, friends. A big thanks again, as always, to our friend, Dr. Andelson, for stopping by and chatting with us.
0: As for us, we're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together, and you can help. Just go to prckc.org, and you can donate, volunteer, shop our store, and more.
1: If you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to rate us and leave us a review. That always helps new people find us. And for all the latest news, please follow us on social media. We're at PRR Podcast on Twitter and Facebook.
0: So until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the author Robert McCammon said, after years of having a dog, you know him. You know the meaning of his snuffs and grunts and barks. Every twitch of the ears is a question or statement, every wag of the tail is an exclamation. Take care. <laughs> resource radio is a production of the pet resource center of kansas city produced and hosted by sierra howe and david shapiro recorded mixed and edited by dave shapiro music by hazel musical industries aka me more info at soundcloud.com slash hazel musical industries